Amen. Becky and I are honored to be here tonight to be part of your mission revival and what God is doing around the world through missions and through your giving of missions. And I speak for the rest of the missionaries. We're honored to be here tonight. And I'm already moved tonight just by the flags that came by representing the countries that you guys invest in missionaries that are invested in the eternity of, of individuals and so grateful for your passion and your love for what God is doing. Becky and I, at this stage of life, I, I tell pastors when I'm visiting with them that Becky and I are short-term missionaries. We're not going to live forever. And, uh, but God has placed us in a position to minister to young adults that God is raising up to challenge them, to train them, encourage them, equip them, and send them out into Southeast Asia and around the world to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're excited about that phase of life and, and looking forward to what God has for us. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles out, if you would, please, tonight. If you go to the book of 1 Thessalonians, if you would, please. 1 Thessalonians tonight, if you would, please, in chapter 1, if you would, please. And while you're turning there, I'm going to go to the book of Acts. And we're going to be on our way to the book of Thessalonians, so don't lose me tonight. Now, I don't know about your pastor, but every once in a while when I'm preaching, I like people to talk to me. Is this an amen, church? Uh, yeah, every once in a while. Now, what does that mean when you say amen? Number one, it agrees with what God says. Amen? So you want to say amen once in a while. Now, I grew up in church, and, and, and we were an amen in church. And I had, we had a little lady sat right over here, and, and she'd get warmed up in the message, and she'd go, mm, thank you, Jesus. And she'd get warmed up and start praising the Lord, and the preacher would start spitting and snorting. It was, like, incredible. And then we had a guy in our church sat down here towards the front, and he was a unique individual. But he would, in the middle of the message, he would say this. He would say, shake that bush, brother. And I, I want you to know, as a kid, I'm going, what does that mean? But it sounded good. I had no idea what he was talking about, but he'd go, shake that bush, brother. And a preacher would get fired up and keep on going in that type deal. And then we had the, the deacons. Any deacons here tonight? Come on, come on, I'm a deacon. Anybody? Okay, you're the amen crowd, amen? Okay, a couple of you, a couple of ladies, amen? Some deaconesses here, amen? We want to say amen and get fired up. Because here's what happens. When you say amen, the preacher gets fired up, he starts talking faster, and you get out of here earlier. Amen? Oh, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we want to thank, yeah, yeah, keep it going along the way. Paul in Acts chapter 16, here's the Macedonian call. Yeah. Paul, would you come? We need to hear the gospel. People are lost and need Jesus Christ. And, and the Bible says Paul hears the call and, and he leaves where he's at and he goes. That's what, what a missionary does often, although I believe every one of us are missionaries, amen? But God does give the call to certain individuals to go to other places. And Paul received that call and he goes to, to Thessalonica. And I love what the book of Acts says. The book of Acts says is that Paul does his normal thing. He goes to the synagogue and he, and he preaches Jesus Christ. And when he begins to preach the hope of Jesus Christ, lives begin to be changed. And all of a sudden, people are getting saved. And I love what the, the book of Acts puts it. It says that uh, a few of the men were saved, but not a few of the women. Evidently, the woman had a tender heart towards God. And ladies, may I say to you, have a, a wonderful ministry in God's house and, and a ministry to your children and your families that God wants you to be a part of. Well, things get stirred up. 
In fact, the Bible says that as the apostle Paul preached, the religious crowd got angry with him. And they, they took him before the, the leaders of the town, and here was their accusation. These men have come, and they've turned the world upside down. And can I say that's what the gospel does? The gospel changes lives. You and I today are dealers of hope. Our world is a dealer of dope. Are you with me? But we are dealers of hope in Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul was giving out. And not only do you expect your missionaries to do that, but can I say every one of us are expected to be dealers of hope. And our world is a place today they need hope. Amen? I tell you what, as I look at our world today, I'm grateful that I have a God who's not up in heaven going, oh my goodness, what's going on in America? Oh my goodness, what's going on in the world? I've got a God who's in control, amen? He's sovereign. He knows what's going on. And guess what? The gospel is still going out. Our ministry in the Philippines that we're associated with, uh, the umbrella is called Global Surge. And under Global Surge, we have camps, and we have church planners, and we have missionaries we're sending out. And last year, during a pandemic year, we had over 40,000 come to Christ. Can we say amen? Isn't God good? How's that possible? Because the gospel changes lives. Paul goes to Thessalonica and, and great things are happening. And Paul finally, for the sake of his own life, has to leave and goes on to continue to share the gospel. But three years later, he writes a letter. And that's where you're at, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And he writes a letter to the church and he says it's Paul and Sylvanius and Timothy, Timothy under the church, that is of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and in the sight of God, our Father. This morning I want to walk, this evening, I want to walk through this passage of Scripture with you, and I'm going to give you three ingredients, if I could tonight, that are essential in the church. Paul lists them here for us, okay? And so I got a three-point outline. I don't have a poem at the end, but we're going to fly through this tonight. And Paul says the first ingredient that needs to be in the church, it has to be the work of your faith. The work of your faith. Your work produced by faith because of Jesus Christ. Church, we were not saved to sit and to sour. We were saved to, to go into the world, amen, and present Jesus Christ. My, my, my concern is this. I read an article, Pastor, here a few years ago, and the author said this. He said he believed across America in the average church less than 50% of the people were saved. And that shook me. As a pastor of a church, we pastored a large work at Seminole in Springfield, and, and I'm thinking to myself, we got to be doing better than that. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking maybe, could we be 75%? Yeah. Maybe we'd be 80%. And then it concerned me that I would be satisfied with 80% yeah. of those who come to church that know Jesus. So here's what we did one Sunday morning. We, one Sunday morning, we gathered together and we, we passed out a, a parchment paper to every individual in the building. And on the outside of the parchment, it said, my story. 
and then you opened up the piece of paper and there were a bunch of blank lines. And we began to go through the Bible, the Word of God, where it talked about an individual story when they, when they came to faith in Jesus Christ. The, the Philippian jailer was a great example. Nicodemus, when they came to faith in Jesus Christ, and they had a story to tell. And I challenged our church that day, do you have a story? Does your, does your story include Jesus Christ? The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The fact that you were a sinner and you called on him and you invited him into your heart and your life. Came to the end of the service, we did something unusual for a Baptist church. We didn't have an invitation. And I said, here's what I want you to do, church. A lot of you are going to normally go out to eat, and, and this Sunday I just want you to go home. Skip the restaurant. I want you to go home, take your paper with you, and when you get to the house, as your kids are age appropriate, I want everyone to go to their own room, and I want you to write out your story. Then after you write out your story, I want you to come back to the kitchen table. Great place to have conversation at the kitchen table. And I want you to share your story with your family. I grew up in a home that my dad shared his story all the time. In fact, my dad's in heaven today and I could tell you his story. That's how many times I heard it. How he came to faith in Jesus Christ. But he always told his story. And why I was stirred so much in this is because, like your pastor, I, I've done a lot of funerals. And I get that call and say, Pastor Mom passed away, would you come over? And, and, and we'd go over to the house and we'd be talking about Mom, all things Mom did in her life. And I finally come to that point where I wanted to ask about Mom's faith. And I say, tell me when Mom got saved. And Lord, help me. I don't know how many times I heard, well, you know, I, we know Mom was a believer. She just didn't talk about it much. She was faithful to church. She went to church all the time, but she's, she's kind of a private woman. She didn't talk about it much. Pastor, we know she's in heaven, but we don't know her story. I got concerned about that. I want you to share your story, what you know. And so that Sunday morning, the, the church did what I asked. It was amazing. They all went home. They all wrote out their stories. And then Becky and I went home, just the two of us. We sat down and we went to separate places. We wrote our story. We came back and shared our story. And as we were sharing our story, my phone rang. Pastor, I, I just want you to know, we did what you said. We came home and, and my husband shared his story. Our three teenage kids shared their story. But Pastor, when it came to me, I didn't have a story. Pastor, I want you to know, I trusted Jesus today. Amen. My phone hang up and my phone rings again. Pastor, just want to let you know what happened. Man, we went home. and We, we got around the table. We were sharing our stories. And, and one of our teenage boys didn't know Jesus Christ. But we want you to know, he got saved today. Amen. He trusted Jesus Christ. I hung up, and my phone rings again. And I tell you, 13 people came to Christ that day. Amen. And what I'm saying to you, church is you got a story, and you got to tell your story. Grandma and grandpa, how many grandma and grandpas we got here? Come on, we're proud, aren't we? You know, being a grandparent, the joy is you didn't kill your kids when they were growing up. Okay, you're a grandparent now. Do your kids and grandkids know your story? Well, if they don't, take some time to share it with them. When you came to Christ, you trusted him as your Savior. You parents today. I just say to you, share, share your story with your kids. Let them know. Hey, I was on. It was as a 16-year-old teenager that I was convicted of my sin and I needed it in my heart and my life. And I remember a Sunday morning, I came down and we were in a small church, the Quonset Hut building. And I came down and I came down to the altar over here on the side and I, I knelt down. And we had two volunteer youth pastors, Bob Height and Dan Peterson. They came down and said, Don, why'd you come down this morning? And I said, I came down to get saved. The look on their face was priceless. 
get saved. And you've taught in the youth department. You've been involved in everything we do around here. You see, what happened that day is I moved it from my head to my heart. I'd have missed heaven by 18 inches. And so they opened the Bible and they walked me down. Do you remember we used to call it the Romans Road? They walked me through the Romans Road. And they're showing me scripture I had memorized, Romans 3.23, for all the sin to come short of the glory of God. I had no problem with that. I knew I was a sinner. Romans 5.8, but God commanded his love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. I knew that. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, amen, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then Romans chapter 10, where it really gets good. But if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Lord Jesus, listen now, and believe in thine Heart that God has revealed, thou shalt be saved. For the heart man believes unto righteousness, and the mouth confession is made to salvation. For whosoever yeah. shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. As a 16 year old teenager, I prayed that day, and I invited Jesus Christ to my heart and life. Yeah. Do you have a story? Teenagers, boys and girls, daughters and sons have a story. This came to a reality for Becky and I. Our son, at the age of, of 30, Got cancer. And we're ready for the fight. We're going to go through chemo. We're going to do this. God's going to heal him, give us victory. But it didn't work out that way. And we're in the hospital room. And the doctor comes to us and says to Becky and I and to, to Brian's wife, who is five months pregnant with their baby boy and, and has two daughters, and just says to us, there's no hope. We need to unplug him. That's hard. That day they unplugged him. Doc said, you got about five minutes. What are you going to have? About five minutes, so be prepared for that. God gave us 45 minutes together. He talked to his daughters, he talked to his wife, he talked to us, he talked to his wife's parents. There were about 25 people in the waiting room, he invited all of them in. He talked to them for a while, and then we got down to the end. And he looks at us and he says, Mom and Dad, I'm okay. I know whom I have believed in. Kids, tell your story. If you know Jesus, tell your story. Tell your parents your story. What am I saying? Because when you know your story, it changes your life. Amen? God didn't save you to sit around. God saved you and changed your life. What? Behold, all things have become new. And so Paul writes to the church and says, I want you, I want you to work. What does the Bible say? For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a what? It's a gift of God. It's not about my works. Why? Because you and I would boast about it. But when I get saved, what am I now? I am his workmanship. I'm created in Christ Jesus, what, unto good works. Now I'm working out my faith. I'm not saved by my works, but my works reflect what Jesus Christ has done in my life. Paul commends the church for the work of faith. Number two, he talks about their labor of love. They are now a church that is motivated by love. What Jesus Christ has done for them. Jesus Christ loved them first and died for them, and now they are returning that love. Now, we need to love in several ways, and I'm just going to give you a couple today. First of all, we need to love each other, amen? 
Can I be honest? Some of us are hard to love. Now, I'm really easy to love. My wife a little more difficult, probably. Some people are hard to love. But I'm commanded to love each other. You know, every family's got that person. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm talking about. I had an older brother who could do most things right. I had a younger sister who could do no wrong. I'm a middle child. Any can testify. Any middle children here? Come on, raise it up. I'm in therapy today over that. I'm working through it. We need to be loved, amen? You come to church, you want to be loved and cared about. I know I'm different. That's okay. My church loves me. I go and I feel loved. And anybody who comes to this place, listen now, anybody who comes to this place should feel loved. Amen? Amen. Talking to a pastor friend. And he said one Sunday morning, man walked to the church that lived in the neighborhood. Nobody in the neighborhood came to this church. Everyone lived outside the neighborhood. But this particular Sunday morning, one of the neighbors came in and sat out, walked down and sat down about the third row. Bless his heart, chairman of the deacons walks over to him. Guy's got long hair, a little bit dirty, got tattoos, doesn't really fit in with the crowd that day. And the deacon looks at him and says, Sir, you're not welcome here. The man got up that Sunday morning and walked out. I'm telling you, church, we're to love people, amen? We love each other. And it's work, and we work at that. But you and I need to love our world. I've never met a person that's been hated to Jesus Christ. But I know a lot of people who are loved to him, amen? You loved on him, you cared about him, you showed him compassion, you reached out to him, and you cared about him. This past week, one of my classmates in high school passed away from COVID, Don Allen. Now, I'd like to say I remember this, but I don't, because I'm over 60 now. <laughs> but about three or four years ago, Don Allen messaged me, and he said this to me. So I, I just want to thank you that in high school, you invited me to church. And because you invited me to church, I got saved. And today, not only am I saved, but my family knows Christ. And I thought, man, thank you, Jesus. I, you know, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember that far back anymore. You see, we don't know how we affect people's lives. We just love people. I'm at a church here several months ago, and a good group of teenagers. Man, I, man, church, do you look over here? Amen? Look over here. What a great group. After the service that, that, that morning or that evening, I preached also, and the, this young teenager comes up to me, and, and she says, uh, can I talk to you? I said, sure. And I said, what, what's going on? She says, I'm just, I'm really struggling with my identity, who I am. And I said to her, well, why, why do you think that is? Here's what she said to me. She said, I just want to be loved by somebody. I just want to be loved. And so I said to her, do you feel loved by this church? She says, you know, I've been coming for a few weeks now, and I do. How about the youth department? Do you feel loved in the youth department? And she said, yeah. I think they're accepting me, and I feel loved here. And I said, then you just keep coming. Amen. You just keep coming. Let them love on you, and you let God deal with your heart. That's what we do, church. Amen? Amen. I'm not here to judge people. 
You know, I have, I have enough of my own problems to struggle with. Yeah, are you with me? Well, I, but I, I'm not here to love people. And so Paul says, I want to commend you for your, your labor of love. And that word labor means to a point of exhaustion. Man, I'm working at it. I'm going to love people. Then the third thing is I want to commend you for your patience of hope. Your patience of hope. Your, 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 your endurance is inspired by the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. This hope is a, a confident expectation. Church, listen. We live in a world today that needs hope. The place we're going, the Philippines, in Manila, Philippines, 22 million people in this community. Suicide is at an all-time high in Manila, Philippines. And the reason is they don't have hope. Church, you and I have hope, amen? Our hope is found in who? Jesus Christ. We have a world today, can I... This is the only political thing I'll say. We have a world today that's looking for government for hope. Can I just say to you, hope's not going to be found in the government. It's not going to happen. Hope is found in Jesus Christ. And you and I have the good news, the hope that the world needs. That's why we send missionaries around the world. In our video, it said we had 81 missionaries in the Philippines. Today, we have 103 missionaries leaving the Philippines and going to Southeast Asia, spreading the gospel. Why? Because we have the hope of the world. Church, we need to share the hope of the world. Here's the one I want to conclude. I want to wrap it up. Pastor gave me a time limit. Is your pastor good at a time limit? Yeah, amen. Amen, he is. Okay, Paul commends them for their, their faith, their love, and their hope. But here's what I want you to see. Don't miss this. If you, if you miss the rest of it, don't miss this. The results. I want you to see the results of their faith, their love, and their hope. Verse 8. Are you there? Got your Bible, your device? Verse 8. Because of your faith, your love, and your hope, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and in Caia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad so that I need not speak anything to you. Their faith, their love, their hope resulted in the sounding out of the Word of God. The Word of the Lord went out. It was spread out. Now, I'm a, I'm a word studier. I love to study words, where they came from and how we got them and what they mean. And this word sounded out here means to literally to blast forth. It means to be a, a, a blaring trumpet. It's a responsibility, listen now, it's a responsibility of every follower of Jesus Christ to be a trumpet of the gospel. That's why we're here. That's why God leaves us here in our lives. But the word goes on to mean more than that. It has the idea of rolling thunder. It has the idea of, of reverberating. It has the idea of, of, of going from one heart to another heart to another heart. It just keeps on going. In fact, the message from the church here in Thessalonica kept resounding even today. Amen? We, we read about it today and what they did. They're a great model of a, of a missionary church. They were a reproducing church. This word also goes on to mean the idea of a, a, a ripple effect, a ripple in a pond. Have you ever walked by a pond and it's just totally still and you couldn't leave it alone? You know, I mean, it's, you, so what'd you do? You picked up a rock. Didn't you? Come on, you did. 
Go ahead and confess. Confession's good. Okay? You threw the rock into the pond, and what did it do? The ripples went all over the pond. And Paul says that the Word of God it went in Macedonia. And then it went to Achaia. And then from there, it went to every place in the earth. It starts at home, and it begins to spread out. I read a statement a while ago, and I want to give it to you. It said this. William McDonald said it. He said this. We are not intended to be limits of our blessings, but channels through which we can flow to others. Let me give that to you again. Don't miss it. We were not intended to be limits of our blessings, but channels through which they can flow to others. He goes on to say this, and I love this statement. If you have really drunk the water of salvation, if you've really been born again, if you've drunk the water of salvation, then rivers of living water should flow through you to those around you. What are we doing? We're offering hope to the world around us. We've got this misconception today that we come to church, we sit, we expect the pastor to deliver a message, and we want to be receivers of the word. And I think we should be. I think we should come expecting to receive something when the pastor goes up and delivers the word of God. But that's not enough, church. It's not enough just to be a receiver of the word. You see, God wants you to leave this place and be a transmitter of the word. That's what changes lives. Let's wrap it up. It's a Wednesday. And you're ready. Oof, oof. Who puts clocks in churches? What is the deal? Oh, my goodness sake. Let's wrap it up, okay? Let's do it. I'm coming all the way down. I know I'm out of the light, but if I get down here, then my wife can give me the signals to say, hey, let's get done. What's a take-home I want you to take home? This idea of sounding out the Word of God. Listen, as, as members of this church, or if you're not a member, maybe you're a, an attender of this church, God's calling you to live out your faith. God's calling you to live out this idea of, of loving people, this idea of, of offering hope. So where does it begin? Take home number one. It begins in your home. Is your home a place that deals in hope? It should be. It should be. We want dealers of, of hope in our, in our home. We want to live out our faith at home. We want to live out loving people at home. I'll never forget the story I read about a young man who went to church, and, and uh, he said, my dad's this way at church, but home, at home. He's never that way at home. He just... It's different at home. He talks about Jesus at church, but never talks about Jesus at home. Then he wanted to say this to his friend. He said, you want to hear my dad cuss? Let's make my dad mad and he'll cuss. I'm saying, you got to live at home. These young people need to see it at home. These kids that are here tonight, they need to see it at home. It begins at home. I got to live it out at home. And, and then it, I got to live it out at work. You work in a place that needs to know about the hope of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, let me say this your boss didn't hire you to carry the family Bible to the work and beat people up with it. Yeah. You don't have to wear a tie that says Jesus saves on it. 
but you can live and act in such a way that people go, there's something different about that person. You know, he only takes an hour for lunch. What's his problem? The rest of us take an hour and 15 minutes for lunch. He only takes an hour. He never cheats on his expense account. Man, we stretch it out as much as we can, but he always does the right thing. What's his problem? Well, his problem is you know Jesus. You see, I'm saying I'm living it out. And, and, and look for opportunities to share what God's doing in your life. And here's how it works. I want to give you an example of how it works. You students at school, it works for you too. Tomorrow, you're going to go to work. You've got to go to work tomorrow, amen? You guys got to go to school tomorrow? Let's skip tomorrow. No school tomorrow. Okay, okay, you got to go. Let's say you've gone the weekend. It's come Monday and you go to work. What's the usual question a fellow worker asks you? Hey, what'd you do this weekend? They always ask that. What'd you do this weekend? And you say, well, you know, the Chiefs lost. It's a tough weekend. And do that. Cowboys won. They're talking about Super Bowl. Like, that's never going to happen in our lifetime. And do that. And we talk about sports. The Cardinals are on a winning streak. That's like crazy. You guys don't even know those teams. You guys are just way off. You got Washington. Come on. (laughs) I feel bad for you guys. And I know you're thinking that. Chiefs and Washington, same, same, same. Yeah, we, one law. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Okay, I'm doing that. You talk about everything. Oh, yeah, I mowed the yard. We went to the park. We talk about everything. What would happen on Monday morning? You went to work and said, hey, what did you do this weekend? Hey, I'll tell you what, at church. It was amazing. We had a missionary from a restricted access country, and he preached to us, and it was phenomenal. What did he talk about? He talked about Jesus. Are you with me? I'm out of time. Look for opportunities. Look for them. Yeah. You don't have to preach a message to them. You don't have to pull your Bible out for them. Look for opportunities. Somebody works and says, hey, I just want you to know I'm struggling. I'm having some family problems. Hey, can I pray for you? That's not too threatening. I did that at work one time. I'm working at Cox Hospital, making 13 bucks an hour. Man, we were raking in the dough. <laughs> and this lady I worked with, I'm asking her questions every day because I got no idea what I'm doing. And she looks at me one day and she says, hey, my, my boyfriend, and then she throws in whom I'm living with, because she knows I, I, I used to be a pastor and she's going to shock me that she's living with her boyfriend, like I've never heard that before. <laughs> and she says, he's having heart surgery this next week and I'm, I'm worried about him. So I said to her, hey, would you mind if my wife and I prayed for you? Here's her response. Yeah. Would you do that? Would, would you really do that? Well, absolutely we would do that. So Becky and I prayed for him. I saw it a couple days later, and I said, hey, how's it going? Well, he's still really worried about it. You know, but I'm really worried about this surgery, too. I'm having problems with it. Can I pray for you? I mean, you would pray for me? Yeah, absolutely. You know what God did? God opened a door for me. I didn't preach to her. I didn't say, you dirty, rotten sinner living with your boyfriend. Get that right with God. What did I say to her? I just loved on her. I offered some hope. Found in Jesus Christ. And now, preacher, I am done, okay? Home, work, and church. Yeah. Are you living your faith, your love, and your hope out of church? Mm. Let me go hit that hot button really quick. Are you supporting your church financially? Mm. Are, are, are you a tither? Mm. Oh, I knew that come out sooner or later, preacher. <laughs> you know, this church doesn't have a money tree out back. That preacher goes out every week and picks off of it and pays the bills. I've been praying for that, but it hadn't happened yet. This church, you know how this church survives? 
by faithful people. Week after week. Are you given to missions? You mean you want me to tithe and give to missions too? Yeah. Both? Yeah. I don't think I can do it. Why not test God and find out how it goes? That's what he says, doesn't he? Try me, prove me, see if I'm not faithful. Here's what I told my church. You do it for three months. If you're going broke, then quit doing it. I had anybody come to me. I offered one year, I'd give your money back to you. That's what I said to the church. You give to missions, and in three months, you can't keep it going. You're going under. You call me, and I'll write you a check for whatever you're giving to the church. I'll pay it back. No one ever took me up on it. I close with this. I said it three times now, haven't I? My wife, oof. Don Brown, man in my church, comes to me one Sunday morning during missions time like this. Bless his heart. He loved Jesus. He was been a missionary. Now he's a member of my church. He says, Pastor, I'm, I hate to say this, but I'm kind of losing my, kind of losing my train of thought. I'm having problems. Would it be okay this year if I just wrote one check and gave my mission money for the whole year at one time? So what do, I, what do I say? You know, I mean, this guy's 80-some. And I can't say, yeah, write a check, man. Come on. And so I say, Brother Brown, if you want to write a check for the whole year, you do what you want to do. That's fine. Lord understands. You have to give every week. I just want to do it so I know it's done. So he does. Next year, comes along, missions. Time he comes to me and he says, Pastor, I, I got to confess to you. I wrote a check to the church. Now, I don't know how much for. I didn't check on that stuff. He said, I wrote a check to the church for my whole year of missions. And then I forgot I wrote the check. And I've been giving new missions every week <laughs> this year. And I haven't missed it at all. Why? You cannot give God. Can I just say to you, God's got a bigger shovel than you got. Prove me, he says. Try me, find out. This is a great mission church. We're thrilled to be here. But maybe this year we could do a little more. I don't know. Maybe some of you could join this year. You haven't done it yet. This year you're going to say, hey, let's take that step of faith and just see what God will do. Make a difference. In restricted access nations, France, Nicaragua, we go to the Philippines, and you've got missionaries around the world that God could grow that. Can we, can, we, can we support any more missionaries? Well, I don't know. Can we? Yeah. I don't know. It's a matter of faith to say, hey, I, I want to trust him for it. I'm done now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a church that, that loves Jesus and wants to serve you. God, may, may this church be known for their love and their faith and their hope. And the results of that, God, may, may the the sounding out of the good news of Jesus Christ go from this place and around the world. God, may in the coming year they be able to do more this year than they've ever done. And they look back and say, how did we do it? We did it because of the goodness of God. So bless this church. Bless the pastor. and God, use them in a great way this coming year to make a difference. Not only here locally, but around the world. 
I pray this prayer in, in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.